Jesus seems a bit too grouchy in this story. Does he need sensitivity training? This most interesting story from Matthew 15 gives us a great picture of what real faith looks like. The title of this talk is, Does Jesus Need Sensitivity Training? We're uh, the second part uh, of the book of Matthew on Hope's Highway as we're journeying through the Bible. Um, so we're going to just look at this verse, Matthew 15, 21 through 28, and we're going to talk about it. So let's get started here. Uh, then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. The idea is there that he completely ignored her. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all of her, her loud noises. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, Help me. Jesus responded, It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall from their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, Your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. That's our passage for today. Does something smell fishy to you? Something smells just like not quite right? What do you think? Let's talk about it for a minute. What, what in that passage you're like, I'm no Bible scholar here, but something doesn't sound right. Sierra, what do you think? Okay, so it feels like Jesus is saying there's a, a people group that's superior than another people group. It, you're like, wait a minute, wait, wait, this doesn't sound like Jesus who's supposed to love everybody. It doesn't seem like he's loving this person. Okay, any, any, any other observations? Claudia, you're sitting there going like this. Why, why does Jesus actually concede and do what she wants in the end? Okay. What has changed? What has changed? It's a good question. Jesus testing her faith. Kind of an interesting way to test someone's faith. Get her out of here. Finally, he was like, okay, fine, it's done. Just leave me alone. You're too loud. I want you to take my girl, my child. Yeah. So, so it seems to be, yeah, seems to be contradicting Jesus' message, generally speaking. Maybe there's a scribal error. Maybe Matthew just kind of... <laughs> a little glitch? Yeah. Matthew was on this papyrus thing and it didn't go so well. All right, let's, let's look at these. Uh, let's, let's look at it. There's four things in here that when I read through it, I'm like, hmm, struggling with that. Okay? So let's take a look. Here, here they are. First, you know, it starts off, Jesus 
goes to the Gentile cities, that's fine. Gentile woman believes Jesus can help, that's great. I mean, how did she even come to know that Jesus could help? Somehow she must have heard something, read something in the newspaper. I don't know. She knew that Jesus was the son of David and that she could help or that he could help her situation. And so that's cool. I, I'm, I'm all, all in on the story so far. So she goes and asks Jesus for help. That's great. We should ask Jesus for help just like the Gentile woman did. But then we hit our first snag. Jesus ignores her completely. I mean, you... She's yelling. The, the language in the Greek is yelling. She's yelling at him. She, he, there's no way he cannot see what's going on, and he completely ignores her. So I'm like, mm, yeah, that's probably not great. Uh, next, disciples are openly hostile to the Gentile woman. They wanted her out of there. And uh, they're like, get this piece of trash out of here. That was the idea. And Jesus didn't rebuke them. And then we hit a third snag. Jesus tells the Gentile women that he won't help her because she's not Jewish. Okay, let's just think about this. Claudia, I'm not going to do anything nice for you because you're Italian. Like, or like, like yeah, I'm, I just have nothing to do with Guatemalans. I just, I just don't like Guatemalans. Like, how's that, how's that working for you guys? Yeah, it's ra it feels racist, right? You, I, she, she's crying though on the inside. No, like yeah, it, it it feels wrong, right? It feels it does feel it feels racist, and um, and then uh, the Gentile woman continues to ask Jesus for help, which is which is good, uh, and then we hit our fourth snag. Jesus asks the Gentile woman a question, which would normally insult. You're asking me to give the food that I would normally give to children to, to, to you, a dog. Uh, this very uh, insulting. And so, uh, as I read this, uh, the gentle woman remains humble and continues to press Jesus for help. That's good. And Jesus helps her. And so, we've got these four little four snags. And so, what, what's, what's going on? What's the point of the story? And as you read the commentaries, there's all kinds of cool explanations about what Jesus was doing and, and, and all of this and, and so on. But again, what I want to do is like what I did last time. is I want to I go straight to the point. What is Matthew trying to teach us in this story and build out from there? And so what is the, the point of the story? It's this. It's a snapshot of what real faith looks like. like. Jesus, in Matthew 15, had left Israel for a break from Israel. Why? Because he was absolutely sick of the religious situation in his own country. Everyone in his own country had all the right answers, but their hearts were far from God. In fact, in, in earlier in this chapter, Jesus quotes the book of Isaiah, and he's disgusted, and he says, you people, you, you Jewish people, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. The, the Jewish religious leaders had all the right answers, but they, they didn't have the relationship with God. And, and, and it manifested itself in, in chapter 15. There's this whole big hand-washing controversy. Right? The, 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 the disciples of Jesus came in and, and they, were, uh, they didn't take the time to wash their hands before dinner and the religious leaders were freaking out and, and they were basically saying that the, the followers of Jesus were, were worthy of hell because they failed to wash their hands before dinner. And Jesus is like, you've got to be kidding me. 
And then when they sat down to eat, they didn't eat all the right food, and the religious leaders criticized them for the food that they were eating. And Jesus is, you know, he's, he's got the blood vessel going out of his neck here, and on the center of his, he's like, you guys, you guys are nuts. It's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. It's the, the evil thoughts and the evil words that defile you. That's what makes you sinful, not what you eat. You people don't understand. And so Jesus is very frustrated that the religion of the Jewish people was all external oriented. You were good with God if you did all of these rules. And Jesus was, was sick of that. That's not living faith. That's dead religion. So what did this woman have that Matthew wants us to see by way of comparison? What was her faith made up of? Her faith was made up of faith. I'm going to build that out a little bit. Um, her, her faith was made... Go ahead, Sam. Okay, it was made up of hope. She definitely had hope in Jesus for sure. It was made up of humility. Yes, it's a good observation, right? Because normally you would get really insulted. She had definitely had humility. Someone else? Gemma? Matthew. Really? Why do you think that? Well, that's why we're here today. We're trying to make sense of it. Go ahead, Bonnie. She was persistent. She was very persistent. Yep. Yep. Totally. And she's asking for justice. Yeah. Persistently asking for justice. These are all great observations. Go ahead. There's a mm -hmm. yeah. There's a there is a deep love, yeah, for for this other daughter. Yeah, she the, the the love for the daughter preempted any offense that she may have had with the conversations that we, she was having. These are all great observations. I just picked out three, and we're just going to look at these three observations really quickly. The three ingredients. Um, for some reason, I was thinking about hamburgers when I was putting this together. This is a faith burger. There's three key ingredients to a faith burger, trust, love, and humility. So we're going to look at trust, first of all. Um, faith is trusting Jesus no matter what. Think about this. Against silence, she trusted Jesus. Um, uh, she, she did. I mean, Jesus was silent to her, and she, against that silence, she continued to trust Jesus. And against prejudice, she trusted Jesus, right? The, 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 the disciples were prejudiced against her. Even Jesus' words seemed a bit prejudiced against her, but she continued to trust Jesus against prejudice. She, she trusted Jesus against rejection. She even trusted him, continued to trust him, even though she was rejected. She continued to trust him. And against insult, she trusted Jesus. And I thought about this. Isn't life so often the silence of God with prejudice, rejection, and insult thrown in? Like that's a description of life a lot of the time. That he is. And, and Jesus himself in this story appears to be against her well-being. But the woman is like, no, Jesus is the one that I trust no matter what. Jesus is the one that I trust no matter what.
And so saving faith is not saying all the right things or believing all the right things. It's not praying a prayer and having one's theology perfect. It's trusting Jesus. I've been reading this book, The Sin of Certainty, right now. It's a fascinating little book. And, and that's, his, that's the author of this book's big point is that like, we've become so focused in on making sure that we have everything correct with our thinking about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and all the theologies. And we have to have it all just so perfectly. And in the process of filling our brains with understanding who God is, we actually forget to trust Him. That's what this woman was doing. She was trusting Jesus in spite of silence and prejudice and rejection and insult. She continued to trust Jesus. And so the question is, what does trusting Jesus look like? What does it look like? Mm -hmm. So all, sort of trust at the end of the day is this confidence that help is going to come from Jesus. Okay? What else? I have an illustration at the end of the day, it's, it's putting your care, putting your cares on Jesus. When Gemma was four or five years old, something like that, she went through a season in her life where she was worried about absolutely everything. She was overcome with worry. And she's four. And she, she's worried about... Parents leaving, siblings leaving. She's worried about not having enough food. She's worried about being in a car accident. She's worried about the school that's coming. She was just worried about everything. And I, I remember one time I took Gemma and I put my hands on her face just and held her and held her really close to mine. And I said, Gemma, it's not your job to worry. It's your job to have fun. It's dad's job to worry. I, I'm going to take all of those worries and I will carry them for you. That's my job as a dad. So I carry those worries so that you don't have to worry. Sierra, just going to take a step back, I think. There you go. Um, and I, I feel like that is an illustration of what it means to trust Jesus. What we're doing when we're trusting Jesus is we're saying, I am putting all my worries, all of my concerns, all of my frustrations, all of my difficulties, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transfer them on to Jesus so that I can just sort of walk through life in trust. That's what it means to trust in Jesus. At the end of the day, trusting Jesus means we rest in Him. And that's what we have to encourage each other to do as a church, is to trust in Jesus. The second point is to love. To love. Sheila already touched on this. What motivated the woman to seek out Jesus? The answer is love for daughter. That's the answer. Meanwhile, the Jewish religious leaders bickered about who was in and who was out based on externals, and the woman wasn't like that. The woman uh, was motivated by love, and that love motivated the woman to break cultural norms 
It wasn't normal for a woman to talk to a man in those days. It wasn't normal for a Gentile to talk to a Jew in those days. And when you read the urgency of this text, you discover that this woman almost certainly grabbed Jesus. She busted, fell at his feet and grabbed his ankles, which was inappropriate. So she was willing to break cultural norms for the sake of love. She loved her daughter, and that's what was the motivating factor of her, of her belief. And I think oftentimes, um, sometimes we, we make sure uh, that we do what's proper, and that keeps us from loving people like we should. Following the rules can actually get in the way of love um, at times. And, uh, and that, this is one of Jesus' main messages. Um, this guy's name is Bruxy Cavey, The End of Religion, a book that I read this last year. Very good book. And in this book, he talks about his nine-year-old daughter. Um, and uh, one time, he, he, uh, his, his daughter was going to go to a wedding, and they bought her, the daughter a beautiful dress. And the daughter was like, oh, I know that the wedding's on Saturday, but I want to wear the dress to school. And Bruxy, Bruxy was like, well, what happens if, what? What happens, yeah, like what happens and then the dress is going to be ruined and she begged him and begged him and begged him and finally Bruxy said, you can wear the dress to school just as long as you don't get it dirty. If you get it dirty, you're going to be in huge trouble. So that's the rules, right? Those are the rules. But then he asked his daughter a difficult question. She, he said, what happens if you're on your way to school and your friend comes flying by on a bicycle, hits a big bump and goes flying into the ditch, the muddy, dirty, filthy ditch and injures herself, what are you going to do? What do you think the nine-year-old girl said? I'll take off the dress. <laughs> take off the dress? The night, what? She would be tempted to say, well, I wouldn't help her. Yeah, she has to make a decision. But what's the right decision? Christopher says, keep the dress on. You say, take the dress off. Bonnie says, help the person. The answer is to help the person. That's the loving thing to do. You don't care. Well, <laughs> maybe. Little nine-year-old's probably not going to want to strip down to nothing before to help, help her friend. So, but Bruxy said to his daughter after his daughter got the right answer, which is to help, yes. And I think that's what happens to us so often. We become religious and we become so focused on keeping the rules, whatever those rules are, that we fail to jump into the ditch to help the person that actually needs help, which is what true religion is, which is love. And that... If you want to have a faith burger, the meat in the center of the faith burger is love. And that illustrates this well. And so that's why Bruxy says this, when rules begin to rule, 
We're no longer Jesus followers. And this woman that we read about in this story understood that. And so how can, how can you get a little muddy pulling someone out of a ditch this week? That's a good question. That's love. That's true Christianity. This Wednesday we had a snow day. And uh, that was great. Me and the kids went uh, uh, walking up to Broadway. There's a hill there and we were sliding. And as we were walking up there, we discovered that all sorts of cars were stuck. Couldn't move, couldn't get it. And so we just became this, this caravan of help. And we just were pushing cars out. We pushed a whole bunch of cars out on Wednesday. And, and I was thinking about that. And I'm like, that's the visual of what we should be as a loving church. Which would be like this roving band of people helping others get unstuck. You know, a lot of us from a lot of a lot of us as a church are from this building. You know, what if what if we sort of said, look, how can we as a band of people help people in this building? Could be a great vision for true Christianity, active love. Um, and then the final one is humility. We know. We have faith when we realize that our need is greater than our pride. And this woman didn't like to hear that she was being compared uh, to the Jews and was as valuable as a dog over against a human. I'm sure she didn't like to hear that. Um, although in Vancouver, if you're <laughs> the comparison between a child and a dog, if somebody compares you as a dog over against a child, it's actually a compliment in Vancouver. So in Vancouver, she probably would have been, oh yeah, thank you so much. But in, the, in, the, in that day, it wasn't such a compliment. But her faith wasn't about um, her status. Her faith wasn't about getting to the table and being recognized as a child. It wasn't about her rights to be recognized. That wasn't what her faith was about. Her faith journey wasn't really about her. It was about trusting Jesus and helping her daughter. That's faith. It's humbly trusting Jesus and helping others. It's as simple as that. When uh, somebody puts me down, I so often feel like I need to lash back at someone to get respect, the respect that I deserve, right? Um, the woman could have said, you, you calling me a dog, Jesus? Well, let me talk about your mother. You know, like, that, that would be normally what would happen, right? And people with true faith don't worry too much about getting the respect that they deserve this week at the co-op. It's never a dull moment at the co-op where we live. Um, we, uh, on, on Wednesday, taking the kids to go there. This is um, my lovely wife's name, Mistin. This is a censored, colorful metaphor that starts with an F and U. And there were a number of those little bits of graffiti around our co-op. And we wrestled with um, me, like I wrestled with, okay, who, who needs to get kicked in the head? You know? This is wrong. What do I do? Um, you know, could I, could I have gone like 19th century? I demand a duel with the graffiti fiend to defend the, the honor of my wife. A battle to the death. Should I do that? Is that what I should do? I mean, obviously vandalism and graffiti is not cool. This sort of abuse 
that my wife has to put up with is not cool and we're doing what we can to make sure that, that the, the individuals who are perpetrating this are not staying long term uh, in the co-op. We're doing what we can to, to get this sorted. But let me just say this, making sure that we get the respect we deserve out of this can't be the priority. Our priority is to trust Jesus and to help others. We don't demand respect. We don't puff our own tires. In situations like this, you could say, you know, we deserve respect and we're going to have it and we're going to demand it. And I think when we do that, it becomes a problem. I also think um, we can puff our own tires and we can do this in religious ways. I remember when we were in Antigua a couple years ago, um, yeah, um, the, the way they did it then, and there, there might just be some cultural gaps, things that I don't understand about their culture, but just to give you an, an illustration, when they did offering in the churches in Antigua, the offering box was up here, and then um, it's time for offering, and then the music would play, and then the expectation is that if you had an, off, uh, an offering to give, you would stand up, come to the front, and you would pull out your wallet, and you would sort of count the bills in front of everybody, and everybody would clap, and then you would put the money in. And it was a drawn-out process that went for a half an hour, and, 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 and it was like this competition for who could give the most money at the church so that everybody could see who's giving the most money so that that person could get the credit they deserve. And I think that that's not in a healthy faith burger. I think, I think the humility is different. Can I just finish my thought, Sheila? Okay. Sheila, you that this Yeah, well, th th that I think is a bit different, and I'll tell you why. Because that's somebody from not around here, right? I think it's okay. It's a good point, Sheila. I think it's okay if... It's okay for me to say, you know what, this person was a blessing to me. It's another, per it's another thing to say, I am a blessing to everybody and you all should see this. There's a huge difference. And I think in the, in the illustration of Antigua, this is, this, is what was, this is what's going on. But when we look at, um, there's a story that Jesus talks about called the, um, the, the widow's pennies story. Uh, you've heard about this story? Um, what happens is there's these rich religious leaders that are putting lots of money in the offering box and they're doing it to be seen. And Jesus says, you see that? He's talking to his disciples or something. You see that little widow over there who just snuck a couple of pennies in so that nobody could see? This is the greater Christian. This is the greater follower of me because she is secretly giving out of her poverty to bless and encourage other people, and she doesn't want the credit for it. I think at the, at the heart of real faith, you have trust, you have love, and you have humility. And this woman had these things in spades, and we see this in the story. And so uh, I think it's not a surprise that Jesus, in all the Gospels, all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he credits only this woman as having great faith. There's one other. It's the centurion, also a Gentile, who has great faith. Those two are the only two in all 
the Gospels who get that title, Great Faith. And the reason is, I think it's illustrated for us. She was willing to trust God, trust Jesus in the midst of rejection. She had deep love for other people and she had great humility. And I think that's the message Matthew has for us. We as a church need to become people who have this in our DNA. We're trusting Jesus. We're loving other people with deep love and we practice humility together.